Welcome back to the Cold Comedy Show. I'm your host, Ricky Cole. How's everyone doing? Hey, today is CPAC, the last day of CPAC. Put it like that. And the God, Donald Trump, is going to speak at this crazy convention. Now, I've been following it. I just dropped CPAC yesterday, but now it's TPAC. And I'm telling you, man, we can ignore this or we're going to have to face the truth. From watching TPAC, these people are completely gone. They believe in something that I don't even know what kind of America they believe in. You know, if you really look at the past, what America they believe in? Freedom, democracy, liberty for white supremacy. Everybody else is beneath that. Lots of Confederate gerrymandering because, you know, for some reason, black folks got out and vote and that's not good for white democracy. <clears throat> but their thing is very patriotic and they're not patriotic. They just stormed the Capitol last month. And I'm, I'm listening to how they can get away with all these lies and, 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 and j- talking about on a public forum that they're going to jerry-rig the system so more white supremacy can win. Like, we forgot the last four years of Donald Trump. To them, Donald Trump didn't do shit wrong. He didn't sell out American secrets. He didn't fucking let 500,000 people die. He didn't um, care about people going hungry from the COVID. He he lied. And these people sitting there like, all the lies that this guy was telling in the White House, everyone just ignore all of this shit? Ignore the storming of the Capitol? But they're patriotic. That's why I'm saying this is a joke. This is white supremacy 101, man. If you don't know what white supremacy sounds like, you're a fool. Because this is what it sounds like. A lot of drum beats. A lot of jabbering of a bunch of ignorant people. They're getting ready for their platform. They're going to think of their lies and come out with it to feed these people their venom for the day. Listen to it. Just listen. What are they talking about? They don't know. In their vision of America, everything is fucked up. In their version of America, it's not right unless they're on top. And it's not that many in the hall. Say, mostly showed up for CPAC in Florida. Say about 1,500, 1,600 people, 2,000, top. Other than that, that represent the power base and the diehards confederacy right here. And so, as I listen to, hold on. Check one, two, three. They're doing a check, Mike. Check one, two, three. Here it comes. Here come the bullshit. More bullshit's coming. Back up, microphone check. Back up, microphone check. Oh, man. They're doing a mic check. They're ready for it. More racism? Not yet. You know, I, I, I say this plenty on my show. I just want you guys to listen to a little bit of that mic check bullshit. But I... I I want you guys to understand this is the force that is destroying our democracy. You know, they holler cancel culture. They think of themes to, to rally around to mislead and misinform their base because their base, they don't respect. Their base are very fucking stupid. And I see why they don't respect them. Because if you believe in the ideology of white supremacy, and you think Donald Trump was doing a good job in the last four years after 500,000 people going and hand Joe Biden a fucking mess like Bush handed Obama a mess. And you dumb enough to get these people back the house in 2022. You deserve the country you get. And a lot of these people who support Trump, you can't tell them that they're 
a bunch of ignorant racist motherfuckers. Their ideology doesn't allow that. They can't see beyond their own ignorance. It's like talking to a brick wall, put it like that. They're not listening. They don't care. United States, he will be here very soon. Uh, since we're in Florida, it's nice and air conditioned in here because the one thing I always know about my Floridian wife is they love that air conditioning. I like your sign, ma'am. That's a very pretty flag back there. Uh, and in the meantime, for a few moments, I wanted to remind you all that it's not just the people in this room who are watching and listening to this content. Obviously, people from all over America, if social media is allowing it to happen. I hope you're all getting your feeds. But you know who else is watching? The whole world. The whole world is looking at America and saying, is America going to embrace socialism or fight back? Embrace helping your fellow, fellow man. I'm fucking the word up. Help your neighbor. Care for those who are less fortunate. Or you're going to just be in the pockets of white nationalist capitalists. And this is how the game they play. That's how it sounds. They don't care. Guess what? Today's CPAC is the biggest and best we've ever seen. Folks, we are making a difference. CPAC time. The leaders of the conservative movement have long met in the Washington area each year for an event called CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. It's an amazing conference, super amazing leadership team. The ACU has been the single most uniting force behind the conservative movement. It has been a gathering place for decades with presidents and lawmakers and pop culture figures. You're going to CPAC at National Harbor. Volume right now in Oxon Hill on the Beltway at 210. I understand there are 13,000 people there. It goes up a little bit each year. Matt and the ACU bring together so many conservatives from around the country in one place. I'm reminded of the Reagan Revolution, and we're trying to light the match of that revolution again in a positive way. Quietly, mysteriously, the Republican Party has become the party of ideas. The organization's proven itself over time from Ronald Reagan to Donald Trump. I actually started quite a while ago. CPAC came here, probably made my first real political speech, and I enjoyed it so much that I came back for a second one, then a third, then I said, what the hell, let's run for president, right? president won an award for being one of the longest presidents to actually speak at a CPAC event. This speech went well over two hours. It's wonderful to be back with so many great patriots, old friends, and brave, young conservatives. What a future you have. Freedom, as Reagan told us, is not passed down in bloodstream from one generation to another. Freedom instead, you got to stand up, you got to fight for it, you got to defend it. I am with you. You know, before I let these lying piece of shits finish bullshitting you, freedom. Ted Cruz seen what freedom looked like when he was in Cancun. He was free from the cold, huh? And why the rest of the Texans froze to death and didn't have electricity. I guess that's free market freedom. This is how white supremacy paint their bigotry and hate, disguising glitz and grammar and patriot, patriotic symbols. But it's all about symbols. They don't give a fuck about the citizens. Now, a lot of you might not like what I say, but this is it. This is the battle for the soul of the United States. If you listen to these clowns who meet up in their white nationalist Goldwater party, because that's all it is. CPAC is nothing but the old Goldwater convention. You know, when Goldwater didn't want blacks to vote and he decided to run for president, then they went on, they kept going, and they changed the name to make it sound more commercial acceptance. I consider more, 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 you know, passionate to the ears. Instead of white bigoted gathering of all separatists, segregationists, racist, white motherfuckers 
Bible-thumping, backwards-thinking bastards, then, you know, it wouldn't be CPAC. But that's what it is. You know, you just look at the guys from, from Fox News to Hannity to the rest of these clowns, which I want to I have some segments. I'm not going to play all of it, but I have a little segment saved I'm going to put on the show. But this, and you think about it. Joe Biden had a lot of work because once Joe out in four years, are we going to sink back down to the level of putting Donald Trump back in the White House? And if we do, we should just move to Canada because our democracy is over. You can't say he didn't. What did Donald Trump do to America? He fucked it up. Reputation, citizens, he gave everything to the super rich racists. And guess that made him like sneaky-ass, sorry-ass, racist-ass Ronald Reagan. But see, Ronald Reagan was a smart diplomat. He kept his racism on a margin. He didn't expose it and wore it on his sleeve like Donald Trump. Donald Trump just like, fuck that. Let's show him who we really are. We're a bunch of white, racist, ignorant motherfuckers with a bunch of token kiss-asses kissing our asses just because we're getting money. I know, that's kind of wrong. You need to come here with like-minded people. If you ain't trying to hear nothing about no socialism and all that foolishness, you need to come here with other like-minded people that's talking about capitalism, that's talking about you being free. Our freedom, our people, our traditions, our families. But without freedom, none of it is possible. And that comes from the big guy, not the government. All these young people here, everywhere you look, there are groups of millennials who tell us they are dedicated to growing the conservative movement, but admit... Frankly, it's not cool on many college campuses to come out and say you're a conservative. It's not cool to come out and say I'm a white nationalist or racist, a separatist. You know what I'm saying? That's the game. They're not actually saying, but they're actually playing this game like, wow, you know, we're just a party that's really patriotic and we care about the values of America. Their values of America is separate, not equal, Jim Crow, voter ID laws, it, oh, we don't give a fuck. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You took my boots and my fucking scrap. Oh, well, you know, it, 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 what it is all, it's all a hate game. Because as long as they get a rich white man, everything he wants, tax cuts, uh, fuck over the government, deregulations, they don't give a fuck about the working class. Hungry, food lines, dying from COVID. They don't care. They praising a racist bigotry about guns and the Second Amendment and all that other bullshit BS. This is the problem. We got to call these bastards out. And what they're talking about is cancel culture. These motherfuckers should have been canceled fucking 150 years ago. But no, white supremacy took control of our country. And this is how it sounds. We're not going to have a conservative movement if we lose this generation. Today I'm proud to announce that I will be very soon signed an executive order requiring colleges and universities to support free speech if they want federal research. You've gotten coverage this year that I'm not sure I can recall ever you getting. So congratulations. Amazing energy. Uh, it's the grassroots activist Super Bowl. It's obviously the Super Bowl for conservatives. Being conservative, being liberty-minded, being freedom-based, and CPAC is what makes America great. And CPAC that must make America what great. You had to go get their token nigga to do that. I said nigga. I ain't biting my tongue. You got to be one dumb black piece of shit to go to a white nationalist convention. It's like a black man walking into a Klan rally and talking about, yeah, I like lynching. You know, I'm just keeping it real. You know, these bastards don't have Ross dead ass Limbaugh anymore. But when you get these token t- niggas like Herman Cain, dead, um, who spoke at CPAC this week that I really think is a piece of shit, Ben Carson. I know Clarence Thomas, his racist black ass running around there, hate his skin. But, you know, when you see blacks at some shit like this, niggas, please. I said it again, the N-word. A lot of you don't like it. That's why I call them the N-word. Negroes, please. Well, Negro and nigger is a different. But I'm just going to call it nigger Negroes. 
So some of you don't like my podcast? Fuck you. This is what I think about people who are brown and black who go to a white nationalist convention and sit there. As long as these motherfuckers shaking your hand and don't have their clan robe on, you feel accepted. They're trying to take your fucking rights away, you dumb motherfuckers. Diamond and silk. Racist CPAC. Now the new name TPAC. Trump's Republican racist backward ass capital storming party. You know what I like about this? Number one, I'm in love, and you're in love. We're all in love together. We've done something that nobody's ever done. Well, President Trump loves CPAC, and CPAC loves President Trump. It's a mutual, strong relationship. It's the fact that the president knows that when he comes to CPAC, he's at home. He's with his people. You know, I first went to CPAC during the Reagan years, where Reagan was a conservative president, but CPAC was much to the right of even where President Reagan was. And now it is right in the center. It is the Republican Party. How's CPAC doing good? Huh? I'm pleased with you. He's the one who said you should run. Right? Matt said, it's like five years ago, six years ago, and I made a speech, and then they do some kind of a straw poll. Who made the best speech? They voted by far the best speech was Trump. He calls me, he says, you should run for politics. I say, what do I know about politics? But you know what? We learned quickly, and our country has never done better than it's doing right now. So well, yeah, he hasn't done... I mean, it's doing great, you know? Let me see, 500,000 people dead. Donald Trump is no longer president. We have a guy that's actually trying to save America. Oh, by the way, it's doing real great because Donald Trump actually tried to pull an overthrow of our democracy along with these other clowns over here at CPAC or TPAC, whatever you want to call it. But this is, this is the opposition. And Joe Biden think he can work with these people? He really aren't paying attention. And Kamala Harris needs to step up and say, oh, oh, hey, hey, oh, Irish white man, get your head out of your asses. They don't want to work with you. Should have known that when you was with the black guy, Barack Obama. They showed you who they are. This is a white nationalist party. And I hate to say it, but a lot of you might get mad, but the truth is the truth. So all of this sugar-coated bullshit is nothing but white grievances about how they're going to lose their country if they don't fucking try to save it for white society. Their version of America. Leave it to Beaver. All of that bullshit. Make room for daddy. Women don't have... Women know their places. This is the dying fucking party. And they know if Donald Trump get another four years, if he decide to run... And they don't shut his ass down and make him so poor that he can't even fucking run for fucking dog catcher. Tie him up in courts. Hey, but you, it's not only Donald Trump. It's his backers, the owners of Fox News, Newsmax, St. Clair Broadcast, News One. They talking about they want to cancel our network. The FCC, whatever, the fucking FCC should cancel every lab. Make it a rule that they can't fucking lie on network TV. Make it a rule that no longer is opinion news. Both sides don't have to have an opinion when one side is trying to overthrow our government. The media doesn't care. MSNBC, CNN, all they worried about is ratings because it's owned by these motherfuckers. People right now is unthawing in Texas and looking for something to eat. And they getting hit with free market utility bills. Meanwhile, they ignoring all of that shit because they too busy living in a bubble of bullshit. But thank you, Matt. You know, a couple of years ago when a whole new team of people started leading the ACU, we thought that what happened during the four days of CPAC was so important that it actually had to occur every moment of every day on the calendar year. You know, we're kind of stuck in the swamp. And uh, most people obviously live very far away from the swamp for good reasons. People all over the world who are... 
It's now our time to pursue this kind of freedom. We've got about 28 different countries now that are asking us to help them put on CPACs in their own countries. Sounds awfully exotic to this Kansas kid. We're going to go to Australia. We're going to have the first CPAC. They spread their white nationalism around the world. That's not good. That's not good. They're actually talking about globalizing their white nationalism. Maybe they have more power, more finances. I don't know what's going to happen to the United States, but... ...has been the most important organization of the right in America. And in many ways, and this is important, in the world. On top of that, there are these regional meetings that it holds, such as this one here in Atlanta. I mean, this is incredible. And then all these international meetings, Tokyo, Seoul, Brazil, across the globe, they're everywhere. What they're doing is spreading white nationalism globally. You know, I watched The Great Hack, um, how they used the internet. Steve Bannon and all these guys came up with Cambridge Analytica to fuck with people's psyche. But this is a global movement of white supremacy, neo-fascist Nazis. Paint their Nazi ideology up in glitz and glamour and sell it to ignorant people as pop, pop, uh, what is that word? Populism? Pop, pop, I can't pronounce it. I consider BS bullshit. But it's popular, whatever, fuck, I can't, I'm not, I have dentures, so I'm not gonna sit there and say that shit. Um, because it might be wrong, but I don't, it, it's like, you know, let's just clean our racism up and disguise it as something liberal and, and commercialize it like, you know, we really care about populism around the world. I said it, populism, you know, and, and we can accept every color and race as long as they know their place. And, you know, and once I said free markets, give the rich everything and fuck the poor, hungry lines, who cares? Who cares if people have pay high utility bills and let's keep the minimum wage low because we don't want them people moving up into our society. <laughs> and I'm just fucking around with you, but that's what I get out of this bullshit. You know, that's what I get out of it. You know, it's sad. It's straight up sad. I'll be right back when the president of of the racist people starts speaking his racism. Fascism. We hear this word a lot lately, but just what is it? The word comes from the Latin word for this, a fascist. The idea? Well, you can break one stick easily, but when you bundle them together, they become very strong. And when a dictator convinces an entire nation to march together in lockstep, they feel strong too. And in fascism, an axe symbolizes that it's unity, brutal if necessary. I'm Rick Steves, and in this special program, we'll learn from the hard lessons of fascism in 20th century Europe. Thanks for joining us. thoughtful travel, we'll see how entire nations were first mesmerized and then led astray by their fascist leaders. Our journey will take us back nearly a century to learn how in Europe, fascism rose and then fell, taking millions of people with it. We'll trace fascism's roots during the turbulent aftermath of World War I as masses of angry people rose up. The rise of charismatic leaders who manipulated that anger, the totalitarian societies they built, and the brutal measures they use to enforce their ideology. We'll see the horrific consequences, genocide and total war. Along the way, we'll talk with Europeans whose families lived through those times. We have to be vigilant. And visit sites related to fascism. In 1918, World War I ended, leaving 10 million dead and Europe in ruins. 
the chaotic aftermath of the war created fertile ground for the seeds of fascism. Nowhere was that more true than in defeated and devastated Germany. Imagine Germany after 1918. For four long years, they'd fought bravely, lost over two million men, and then surrendered. Veterans limped home to a country in shambles. Their emperor had been toppled, replaced by a weak democracy. Their nation was humiliated, with especially harsh terms of surrender, including an allied demand for Germany to pay costly war reparations. Cynical Germans were convinced their own leaders had sold them out and surrendered too early. They called it the stab in the back. The economy was horrible. People needed jobs. Terrible inflation wiped out savings. It took literally a wheelbarrow of nearly worthless currency to buy a loaf of bread. Germans had no faith in their government to get society back on track. In this vacuum of power, a fringe movement claiming to be the champion of the oppressed emerged. They dressed in intimidating brown shirt uniforms, roamed the streets in gangs, and wanted to restore Germany's national pride. They called themselves the National Socialists, or Nazis. Their leader, Adolf Hitler. Those early Nazis found a natural base here in Munich. While a pleasant and idyllic city today, this capital of Bavaria was known for its conservative and nationalistic passions. Nazi street gangs violently attacked unwanted outsiders, Jews, and communists. In 1923, in a beer hall like this, the original Nazi leadership gathered their followers. They were impatient and eager to take power. Hitler waved his pistol in the air and called for the revolution to begin. Hitler led the ragtag revolutionaries in the beer hall into the streets of Munich, planning to overthrow the government. But that attempted revolt, called the Beer Hall Putsch, failed. After a bloody confrontation, the police crushed it here at Odiensplatz. Hitler was arrested and sent to jail, and it seemed that Germany's fascist movement was finished before it got off the ground. Unable to overthrow the government by force, Hitler resolved to take it by political means. While in prison, he wrote Mein Kampf, or My Struggle, which preaches his message of uniting all ethnic Germans and giving them more space to live. The book remains potent to this day particularly for Germans, like Andreas Clemens. Did Germans just buy this? Until recently, it was illegal to buy or sell it in Germany. So if I was to read Mein Kampf, what's the writing like? Well, you can see that Hitler had problems with grammar. Part of it is gibberish. It's very hard to get through. The book is one of the most published books in history, and every German household had that book. And they probably tried to read it, but they gave up 10, 20 pages in. And this, I would imagine, lays out the, the main points of the fascist uh, future. What are those points? He's saying that democracy doesn't work, that it's a flawed system that can be manipulated by outside forces for their own gain. He's blaming communists for it. Ultimately, at the end of everything, is the Jewish world conspiracy. So Jews are behind everything that is wrong with the world. That he has a solution for that. And the solution is fascism or national socialism and that he can make Germany strong, he can unite the country, he can unite the master race and get us back to a rightful status. Hitler may have been locked up in prison, but he was tapping into ideas that had already been percolating in places around Europe. One of those was the country where the fascist ideology would first come to power, Italy. In the center of Rome, capital of Italy, stands the Victor Emmanuel Monument. With its altar of the fatherland, it was designed to celebrate the greatness of Italy. And facing this monument on Piazza Venezia, nationalists would gather to honor their nation. In the 1920s and 30s, tens of thousands of Italians would fill this square to hear rousing speeches delivered from that balcony. The speaker proclaimed the greatness of Italy and promised them a glorious future. And the people followed. 
Once a rabble-rousing journalist, this charismatic speaker became their leader, Il Duce. The man was Benito Mussolini. Mussolini's rise, like that of Hitler, had its roots in World War I. 1918 is the end of World War I. There was a lot of discontent in Italy after World War I. The country was in a pure chaos. Very high unemployment, a lot of strikes, and uh, was almost in the verge of a communist revolt. There was great disappointment. Even the fact that Italy was on the winning side, it felt that it did not get enough out of the peace treaties. They talked about the mutilated victory that is the equivalent of a German stab in the back. And so there was that, and all these veterans coming back, having fought in the trenches for what? All of the soldiers coming back from uh, the battlefields were not really welcome back. So there were a lot of street fights. And basically, the soldiers came together in this party called uh, Fasci di Combattimento. And they had a leader, which was Benito Mussolini. Mussolini capitalized on a deep-seated frustration among Italians. Italy was still a young nation, having only united in 1871. The surge of nationalism that came with unification left Italians hungry for greatness, but feeling disappointed. Its parliamentary democracy was weak and ineffectual, and the economy was terrible. And, as with Germany, the Italians had just suffered through World War I, and people were angry about the way it was fought and the way it was finished. Mussolini seized this moment to launch a new movement, the Fascist Party. While fascists won only a handful of seats, they were a potent political force, and a paramilitary one. Fascism was not just an ideology, but a campaign of physical intimidation. Gangs of armed, black-clad war veterans called Squadristi, nicknamed the Black Shirts, wielded violence against their political opponents. Fascism starts as violence. I mean, how did fascism start? These were gangs of, uh, in most cases, uh, veterans of the war who went around the streets beating workers up, beating up the socialists. This is how it started. The Communist Party was a threat during the end of World War One, and actually, the Fascist Party was formed because of the clashes. The Black Shirts broke strikes, expelled socialist mayors, and gave their base the promise of action. In 1922, some 30,000 fascists descended on the nation's capital in a show of force, the so-called March on Rome. Without firing a shot, Mussolini was handed the reins of power. Suddenly, Italy was under fascist rule with a bold, if politically inexperienced, new leader. Piazza Venezia became the stage for a new amped up kind of nationalism. Mussolini loved big rallies, and from his balcony, offering big promises and simple solutions to complex problems, he whipped his followers into a mass frenzy. They interrupted his speeches with chants of Duce, 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 leader. dream. It was like hypnosis. Standing in a crowd with thousands of people all focused on one man who was terrific at using his body, his facial expressions and language to reach their hearts. They were going ballistic even for a hand gesture or a facial expression of Mussolini. Mussolini was uh, an actor and when he eventually showed up in that window and he stood in his typical posture with his imposing chin for the italians he was the personification of a greater italy he uh, promised um, an italy that would be great that would be modern that would be finally unified where there would be work for everybody for his first 15 years, Mussolini ruled with dictatorial power and impressive success. He pumped up the economy, created jobs, and invested in infrastructure. Construire, construire, construire. Build, 
build and build. In the beginning, I think Mussolini um, was able to garner so much favor because it really did seem that he was making this a modern country. A lot of building, a lot of modern infrastructure, jobs, homes. So on the surface, at least, it did seem that he was actually getting things done. So Italians are happy at that moment because they come from the pure chaos of 1918-1919 to having jobs and having a society that apparently works. He energized Rome with grand projects like this Olympic Stadium, which is still in use today. Francesca grew up hearing stories of Mussolini. She shares some local insight. This is an impressive stadium. Mussolini built the stadium to promote Rome for the Olympic Games, but also to promote sports and physical prowess as key elements of fascist ideology. These statues represent athletes, but they also represent a new fascist man, a man who is physically strong, proud, disciplined, but who is also willing to support the fascist dogma, believe, obey, fight. Belief, obey, fight. Belief, obey, fight. Uh, you know, that was a little bit of uh, something I found on PBS. I think everyone should understand what fascism is. And Donald Trump and C at CPAC is a form of that fascism. You know, from QAnon to, um, to the Republican Party showing the world who they really are. How Donald Trump just dismantled our government and left it a mess. But yet, he has 70 million, 400 some thousand people believing that he was doing a good job after he done killed 270,000 Americans that they was telling us. Now it's 518,000 that they telling us. Not only the violence in the inner cities, the death of George Floyd and the rest of them, and the way these cops is part of this old Jim Crow set up system, screwed up black lives. And so people looking at all of this going on and we wonder why are we still dealing with this problem? There's white supremacy mixed with fascism. Now, <clears throat> it's funny. I can take you back. The code language, abortion. Nah, that's that, that's code word for liberals. You know what I'm saying? Um, what's another code that they love talking about? Um, um, Americans. When they say Americans, they t actually saying white Americans, not you, brown and black. Second Amendment. Oh, yeah. Their freedoms. Um, their freedoms. Um, there's always somebody... Who the fuck is fucking with their freedoms? But they don't care about slavery. Oh, and abortion. Oh, my God. Bring that back up. They love a child that is not even ready to become a human. But yet... If that child is born, become a burden. They don't want to help it get an education, don't want to feed it, don't want to make sure it nurture it to become a decent human being. Nope. But if it's in that womb, it's everything to them. It's a wedge issue. Part of fascist. Apartheid. not left. I mean, they are rabidly socialist, rabidly centralized power in Washington, taking away from the states. The First Amendment's gone, religious freedom gone. Uh, Second Amendment, they're talking about an executive order on that. Uh, due process with the cancel culture, gone. Uh, states' rights, gone. I mean, they, the Constitution means nothing to them. Uh, even the moderate Democrats in the Congress are saying, That's right. we're, not in, we're not in the game anymore. I well, can I just add please, something please. to that? Because I think, and before I forget, this has been a process that has been in the making now for decades. 
I believe that we've seen it in our universities. You know, I've, I've talked many times, you know, Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA, uh, the, you know, the, the yeah, exactly, with on campus, you know, um, conversations about where are our children learning this ideology? See, someone like Joe Biden or President Biden and his administration would have no ability to obtain the kind of power that they have without at least some of the support of the people. We just have to come to terms with that. So where have we dropped the ball that our young people have become radicalized as well? They're being radicalized and they're turning into young adults. And now they're saying, you know what? Oh, we want to expand government. When you got a, a backwards ideology, that's how you sound. Expand government, helping the poor. That's cold language. Radicalize. Um, caring for minorities, not just a white society ideology. That this this is this is this this is unbelievable. And we just sit walk past you listen to this, you'd be like, Well, what the hell are they talking about? Radicalize. They're talking to each other in code that they don't want to help minorities. And who's on the radical side? Like I said, and go back to January the 6th. And they believe, they, you know, they preach these, this, this fear, this radical, oh, it's the left, it's the left, it's the left. And you've seen how these people govern. They still don't care. <laughs> and, and you know they got to come up with voter fraud in here somewhere. So that's fine now to tell us what to do. We need the government to take care of us instead of being excited about American values and freedom and being independent and what that means and civil liberties. They're well, I think Texas know what all of that means. Uh, I think they found out for, what, two weeks? How that feels, the freedom, independence, freedom, liberty, all that BS she pushing out of her mouth. Totally okay with censorship. So that is the problem that I have. Where do we, where do we make those changes? How do we address the reality of what's happening in our country, right? Well, look, uh, Congressman Green, you and I are both uh, uh, army officers. We're taught, we, we, we counterattack. What's our move to counterattack? Can we employ the moderate Democrats, to the extent they're moderate? I'm from California, okay, so <laughs> there are none out there. Everybody's <laughs> moderate. Uh, um, but how do we use them to counterattack to stop the radicals that seem to have the White House? So those four or five, you know, we, we have a four-seat minority, I guess you could say. And those four individuals know their target. I mean, we're, we're targeting about 40 seats in, in the House. And we will flip. Kevin McCarthy will be the Speaker of the House in less than two years. We will win back the House. Um, they know they're on that target list. They realize that they have to basically represent their districts. We're gonna we're gonna get some votes going our way because of that strategy. But if you look at our strategy here in the next 18, 20 months, we've got 30 state legislatures where we on both sides. And in those 30 states, 170 plus bills have been dropped to fix election integrity. We must do that and we will. Now, fix me, voter ID, Jim Crow, because um, black folks turn out, and they want to fix that so they don't want us voting. But it's, you know, it doesn't, oh, well, you know, voter and tech. I guarantee they're going to bring up those machines. I hope that company sued the shit out of them. Because this is who they, this is how these rich bastards sitting around and plot openly how bad they want to destroy democracy. They don't want everyone to have freedoms. Number one. And we're redrawing the districts. We're redrawing the districts. Three to one ratio, Republican to Democrat in control of that. Um, and we're, we're going to take back the House and then we can push back. Wait, you know, Congressman Green. You see this? We're going to cheat. We're going to go and redraw the districts. So... We make sure we everything we're doing is cheating because cheating is how we're going to win. And they, that, that's what they're saying. 
you know, right now, black folks turned out and took the government back from these crazy fuckers. And they're sitting out there openly in public plotting how they could cheat. Because in their sick minds, it's only 70 million. If they can keep their 70 million voting and knock off 11 million or 12 million people from voting, phew, they can stay in power, the ruling class. We can fuck over you some more. As long as we give the rich what they want, we'll get in. We got to stop this. They stormed the Capitol. Okay, we're looking at those bootlickers who went, ran in there and broke out and tried to hang and act stupid. But these guys are the problem. They owners of Fox News, Newsmax, Sinclair Broadcasting. They're lawyers, they're judges, they're representatives. They're congressmen, they're senators. They shouldn't be serving in our government. That's why our government is so fucking dysfunctional. Listen to this shit. And I'm a big believer in applying the new rules. You want to play horsey? This is horsey. Let's cut ourselves some districts that work. Let's leverage our state governments, not only to uh, fix the electoral system, but to fix big tech. Yeah, there's some right. giants out there that need to be killed, right? And we need some Davids. We need every one of you to be Davids. Grab the sling and let's go take the giants down. Planned Parenthood, Facebook, Twitter, all of these guys, the DNC. Get your sling and let's kill some giants. Congress yeah. Congressman Heist, I thought you were the pastor here. <laughs> yeah. Preach. Yeah, let's take up an offering. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, here, here's, here's a reality, though, that also we have got to look at with this. And Mark is exactly right. We... They are going to do some horrible things, which gives us some great opportunity to take the advantage in two years. But how much damage is going to be done in the next two years, y'all? We've got to look at this. And as far as election, next week, the Democrats are putting forth H.R. 1, which would federalize elections. It would make elections... Uh, listen, but they're, they're doing it. We're going to be voting on this next week, and it will pass the House. I mean, we've got to understand this. Uh, it will federalize in... You know what? That's the John Lewis bill. You hear these guys already saying if they pass that John Lewis bill, we can't cheat. We can't jerry all everything they want to do, Jerry Rittmander, um, cheat their way into power, especially those southern states. That's what they've been doing all the time. This time, they're going to make sure those electorals go their way. They want to play the, they really, ideology so sick that. They really want to, we went through this shit with Trump. We've seen how raw the Republican Party are. People in Texas lived through it. Americans lived through the freaking virus. We're finally making some progress. These demons are plotting. And they love playing God. Oh, yeah, let's take off some offerings, some more racist bullshit. This is the Klan. It's pure and simple. These are the offsprings of those racist motherfuckers, grandparents, Bull Connor children, George Wallace people, throwing some fascists in there, and some Nazis, and anti-Americans. <laughs> One more of this, and then I got to close into something else, because I can't wait to hear... Um, that crazy man tomorrow, because this, this is just disgusting. Every state force universal mail-in ballots, zero voter ID, uh, uh, ballot harvesting, all these sorts of things. They are cramming down our throats because they know that we've got a great chance of winning in two years, and they're going to do everything they can unconstitutionally, as it is up to the states to, to deal with, with elections now. They're going to do everything they can to strip that away, get a around the Constitution and make sure that they're in control from now on. Well, we, we can't let this happen. Well, on the plus side, we can rely on John Roberts. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> he went there. No, I don't think yeah, there will be lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. I, I promise. Okay, I, I, look, we, I think we have identified the problem pretty effectively. Let's talk solutions. Sarah, how do we deal with these personnel that are coming in? Uh, you know, we, we, we saw you know, Rand Paul's... Uh, a discussion with the uh, uh, person who uh, thinks that kids ought to change their sex at age six. Right. Um, 
you have some, Levine, yeah. you've got some uh, in info on some other folks who are trouble and they're coming down the pike. Well, yeah, I mean, look, we have to not be afraid to speak out. What we saw happen in the last election, I'll talk about Alejandro Mayorkas, and you brought him up as well, Congressman, when we were backstage. You know, what happened in the last election was unbelievable. How did we not see this all coming down the pike? How did the RNC not see it, the GOP? How did we not know, you know, what was going on with the Lincoln Project? How did we not know Facebook was dumping uh, well, in fairness, everybody knew it. Everybody in Washington Apparently, knew everybody knew about it, but the American Everybody at high people, schools knew about the Lincoln but the, Project. Yeah, exactly, but the American people. You know, they don't like the Lincoln Project because the Lincoln Project know who these people are. They was part of this part. This is the radical people right now. She really believes that nutty stuff coming out of her mouth. And it's a shame because she's functional. But when you hear eyes stretching, oh my God, oh my God, the Lincoln Project, we we should have seen, oh my God, all oh, those people, we're not the problem. Everyone else is the problem. Okay? Their vision of America is madness. They don't want, they know the past. They don't care. It's all about power for these people. And they don't care about no one who does not look like them. They will play you because they always got their house boys. And we're going to close this down to the next segment. Let's go. People, right? So now we know what's happening. Now we see what the result of not paying attention to Washington, D.C., what we've ended up with. So now we have Alejandro Mayorkas coming in with Homeland Security, right? He's a big open borders guy. I spent a lot of my career at the U.S.-Mexico border. It's roughly almost 2,000 miles. When I started covering it in early 2000... Listen to the racism. ...and I can tell you even before that, it was just porous and dangerous, and it's run by the drug cartels, and it's never changed. And we perpetuate the behavior of these trans criminal organizations, these terrorist organizations, I like to say, who pillage and use and rape and can't... Listen to those dog whistles. ...kill our own children with their drugs. And not only that, when you hear a Democrat say, oh, but we have to care for the migrant, we need to care for these immigrants. I've been there and I've seen this with my own eyes. No one needs to tell me what I've seen when I've gone to Guatemala or I've been to Honduras and I see the caravans coming over and I see the people being abused, money being stripped from them. Then they come over here and they have no rights once they get here. But you have a Biden administration and people like Alejandro Mayorkas saying, no, we need to be kind. We need to open these borders. If you, if you. That's some racist shit. That woman have a lot of hate in her heart. I mean, her husband must really don't pay her any attention, man. Because she's just spearing out all her anger and her white supremacy ideology. You say anything against them, then you're anti-immigrant. No, <laughs> inhuman if you support those policies. Because they wow. They destroy the American people, and they also affect the people overseas. We need to speak out. We need to rattle cages. We're obviously not in charge of the House yet, you know, in the Senate. We need to get that back in the next two years. But for the next two years, we can't give up. We can't be quiet. We can't be passive. And I don't mean in, in any kind of bad way. I mean, we've got to be able to say the truth, to speak our minds, and not to be afraid to question these people that are getting paid with our taxpayer dollars. Oh, she really is nutty. You know, we see what they just did. Four years of this fucking guy, Trump, and these people, it's the delusional, man. This is pure, cra I mean, I don't know why. You just listen to these people. They really believe this. <laughs> wow. What are they afraid of? Reality? Congressman Green, you're, you're from that strange place between Washington and where I live in California called America. Yeah. Um, Go Tennessee. 
how do normal people feel about all of this? Now, look, I'm around a bunch of bunch of Californians. You know, we're busy stepping over hobos and you know watching our uh, uh, governor go out to dinner uh, until Rick Grinnell runs. Um, in San Francisco to report where human feces is on the side of the street. Yeah, there's, there's a there's feces report. And we're going to bail them out with billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. We're going to bail out these failing cities. Isn't it crazy? Well, that, that's great. I mean, yeah. you're a military guy, too. It's like going through a minefield, except it's used hobo dinner. <laughs> that's disgusting. Making fun of poor, broke people. You hear that? Hobos. Nobody uses hobos. These guys are sick. They really are. They make it fun if someone have to shit in the streets because of the housing problem, the overpricing, and no opportunity in California, and mental illness, by the way. But that's not the problem. It's just, for some reason, every time Democrats get it, um, it was hobos and shit. Hobos, bums been around since this country been founded. But to make fun about people who are homeless, as people stand in line in Texas, a lot of homeless people right now are now hobos. And they, a lot of them still frozen or just unthawing out there in their apartments because they don't froze to death. And they don't know they're dead. Hobos, people freezing in their cars. Bums. See this? Making fun. Just make this. <laughs> wow. This is what we're up against. Um, so sad. Oh. But in normal America, people are tired of this stuff, I think. And I think they're looking back here saying, you know, Washington is failing. Where's my 2000 bucks? You know, why, why am I out of a job? All I wanted to do was support my family. And now I'm. Are you hear the garbage? It's the virus. Fucking 500,000 people dead. The economy in the fucking toilet because of them. He don't know why. The bad guy? Uh, how are we going to leverage that justifiable anger and justifiable dissatisfaction to first take it back the House, take it back the Senate, and putting in a president from the Republican Party in 2024. Well, we step one is we have to recreate confidence in the election system. And that's those 30 states that I talked about fixing election integrity. So that that is step one. And then we got to get make sure that folks go out and vote. I mean, we, we have to do that. We have to rig the game and then get our people out to vote. That's step one. Rig the game. Once we get power back. We're going to make sure we keep it this time. And this is the Confederacy. We're listening to the Confederacy plot openly. Um, I will tell you that in Tennessee, everybody is informed. They're watching what's going on. Uh, of course, they're communicating with us and letting us know their frustration. So that, that's all great. Uh, a lot of the ideas that we get on how to take this stuff on comes from our constituents. I know, I'm, I'm sure Jody feels the same way. So it's it's listening, it's it's being willing to fight, uh, and then we've got to fix election. And I mean, we have to make sure they're trustworthy. Okay. Congressman Heiss, you're from Georgia, and I want to thank Georgia because I was from California. And it was like, oh, the heat's off of us for a while. <laughs> um, but Georgia's, they, they say Georgia's turning purple. How do we turn that, that, that around? Because Georgia, that's, that is solid America. This should be a bright red state. How do we get it back? Well, yeah, listen. <laughs> oh, my God. It's solid America. Let's go back and take a good look at the history of Georgia. You get it? It's a solid white nationalist state. How the hell are we going to get it back? And listen, this guy's from Georgia is going to answer this, and I'm going to go into <laughs> take a break because this is fucking crazy. Listen to the Confederates plot how they can take the country back. Go back to those Jim Crow laws. <clears throat> it, Georgia is growing a lot as a number one state. 
in the country for business. So we have businesses from all over that yeah. are trying. And so that is part of the factor. But I guarantee you, Georgia is not blue. And what happened last election was solely because of a horrible Secretary of State and horrible decisions yeah. that he made. And he didn't go out and find 11,000 votes to cheat. You hear this, right? And the Georgia, the Georgia General Assembly, even now, is in process of fixing a lot of that. And so I think we're going to see some tremendous uh, change in that regard, as Mark was talking about. Uh, but listen, we have got to register the voters. The Democrats out, outdid us when it came to registering new voters. And they got those folks out to vote, whether legally or illegally, they got them out to vote. And we've got to register. Now you hear that. You hear that, right? Did you hear legally or yeah, well, illegally? Too many of them black people. Well, so we're going to fix this this time. We're already plotting how we can disenfranchise millions of minorities because we're losing. We're going to jerry rig the freaking states so we can win the house back so we can't lose it. So we won't do nothing for you once more. One more time. We need four more years of this. We need Trump back in the White House so we can really miserably make you sick and kill you with another virus. What's happening to real America? Whew. We need a history lesson. 